maximizing efficiency and reducing robotic surgery costs using the NASA Task Load Index by Carrie Walters and Paula J. Webb. Abstract. Perioperative leaders at our facility were struggling to meet efficiency targets for robotic surgery procedures while also maintaining the satisfaction of the surgical team. We developed a human resources time and motion study tool and used it in conjunction with the NASA Task Load Index to observe and analyze the required workload of personnel assigned to 25 robotic surgery procedures. The time and motion study identified opportunities to enlist the help of non-licensed support personnel to ensure safe patient care and improve OR efficiency. Using the NASA Task Load Index demonstrated that high temporal effort and physical demands existed for personnel assisting with and performing robotic surgery. We believe that this process could be used to develop cost-effective staffing models, resulting in safe and efficient care for all surgical patients. The evolution of surgical technique and changes in surgeon practices for first assisting in the OR have significantly affected staffing requirements for robotic surgery procedures. Perioperative leaders are expected to surpass efficiency metrics goals, improve surgeon and employee satisfaction scores, and comply with regulatory requirements, all while reaching set productivity and budget targets. Perioperative leaders at an urban healthcare organization in Dallas, Texas, expressed concern about the inability to meet efficiency and satisfaction metrics goals, especially for robotic minimally invasive surgery, MIS, procedures. They monitored efficiency reports on a monthly basis, along with employee and surgeon satisfaction feedback that validated their concerns. Employees and surgeons complained that there was not enough help to coordinate the workload required for robotic procedures, which resulted in increased room setup times, delays in procedure turnover, and overall dissatisfaction among the surgical team. Leaders became concerned because the reduced number of staff members who wanted to work in the robotic OR meant that employees who did staff those procedures had to work overtime to finish them. We discussed the steps we took to determine the workload of OR staff members working in the robotic OR to facilitate a development of a safe, cost-effective staffing plan for these procedures. The Evolution of MIS There was an increase in MIS procedures beginning in the early 1980s because MIS techniques reduced post-operative pain and recovery time and allowed patients to return to work and normal function more quickly than traditional open procedures. Today's savvy consumer has much broader access to a large amount of healthcare information than did patients 35 years ago. Robotics vendors market their products on television, radio, billboards, and the internet. Over time, outcomes from the use of basic MIS techniques compared with open surgery have demonstrated a shortened length of hospital stay, minimized postoperative surgical pain, and increased speed of recovery as a result of smaller and less invasive incisions. Despite the lack of randomized controlled trials to support robotic techniques as superior to other MIS surgical techniques, patients demand surgeons perform their procedures using the robotic approach because of marketing claims. Physicians report feeling pressured to respond to the expectations and demands of their patients and require their community hospitals to provide the resources necessary to meet these expectations. Equipment The instrument sets and equipment required for MIS are different from those used for traditional open surgery. However, MIS carries with it the risk of having to convert to an open procedure, so OR staff members must have open procedure instrument sets readily available 
during all MIS procedures to avoid delays should conversion to an open procedure be necessary. Towers that contain specialty laparoscopic equipment, including viewing monitors, cameras, light sources, and inflation gas, are also required as part of room setup for MIS procedures. Some ORs do not have dedicated MIS rooms, which results in staff members needing to move the MIS towers into and out of the room where the procedure takes place. Staffing In the early 2000s, hospital administrators at our facility began competing to provide new MIS procedures that incorporated the use of surgical robots. However, robotic equipment is complex, fragile, and expensive to replace, requiring those setting up and turning over rooms to have specialized knowledge and training for robotic instrument and equipment handling. As a result, OR leaders observed double and sometimes triple OR turnover times compared with that for non-robotic MIS procedures. Operating room employees began reporting the need for additional personnel to manage the workload required to prepare for a robotic surgery procedure, a first assistant for every procedure, and additional personnel to manage the workload at the end of the procedure. The traditional and minimal required staffing model at our hospital is one RN circulator and one scrub person per procedure. When an assistant is required for a procedure, a physician, frequently from the primary surgeon's practice group, has filled this role. The first assistant is trained and credentialed to perform hands-on assistance to the primary surgeon. Only those who are trained and credentialed may introduce robotic instruments into the surgical site. This person cannot function in any other role, such as primary scrub person. He or she actively participates in the surgery and possesses the advanced skills necessary to provide exposure, hemostasis, and tire sew tissue. He or she also completes other functions deemed necessary by the primary surgeon. Although the robot has many arms to hold equipment, this feature does not supplant the need for additional staff member assistance during a procedure. Reimbursement and Regulations As surgeon assistant fee reimbursements decreased, physicians indicated that they could no longer afford to provide first assisting services. Instead, they prefer to optimize their time by seeing patients in office settings or performing their own surgical procedures. Specially trained non-surgeon personnel, such as physician assistants, RN first assistants, scrub person first assistants, are increasingly performing in the first assistant role. Some surgeons have established working relationships with these personnel to assist them in the OR. Other surgeons report an insufficient number of self-employed or agency-provided assistants to meet the growing demands of all surgeons across the healthcare community. As a result, these surgeons expect hospitals to provide this resource. It is important that OR leaders understand the rules and regulations for first assisting in their state to determine who can provide first assistant duties. For example, the scope of practice regulations in Texas do not allow OR staff members to perform in the role of first assistant without proper education, training, and credentialing. Operating room leaders at our facility reported that surgeons were requesting, and in some cases, demanding, that the hospital provide first assistance for robotic surgery procedures, and some surgeons threatened to take their patients to competing surgical centers if we could not comply. Perioperative Staffing Challenges Staffing challenges exist because of budget constraints related to full-time equivalent positions. Operating room leaders are continuously working to reduce expenses, 
so it can be intimidating for the perioperative team to ask their managers for additional staff members to assist during robotic procedures. In addition, there are few personnel available to study the staffing needs for robotic or other procedures. With so much emphasis on staff member productivity, a full-time equivalent who would also be available for study observation is unlikely. Regulatory agencies, such as the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, agree with AORN's position statement that there should be an RN circulator present in the OR for every surgical patient. AORN further recommends the development of perioperative staffing formulas to meet safe staffing and on-call practices based on individual patient needs, patient acuity, technological demands, staff member competency, the required skill mix, AORN practice standards, healthcare regulations, accrediting body requirements, and state staffing laws. Operating room leaders at our facility recognized that following the AORN formula for determining staffing in the OR did not align with the budget allowances and productivity targets set for their OR. They struggled to justify staffing needs in the OR and lacked confidence when speaking with financial experts. Hospital administrators expect leaders at our facility to understand their unit's financial reports and defend their staffing decisions. With the labor costs comprising almost half of the department's budget, it is important that leaders understand how to balance labor costs with accurate surgical workloads. At present, leaders receive a daily productivity report that allows them to correct staffing variances by the end of each pay period. If productivity target variances exist, such as employee work hours or above budget, leaders are expected to adjust staffing patterns to the fullest degree possible to correct the salary budget for that period. Productivity is targeted at worked hours per OR minute. One difficulty with this target is that OR minutes equate to patient in to patient out time and therefore do not account for procedure or patient complexity. This target is also based on the allowance of two staff members per procedure, for example, one RN and one scrub person, with the exception of total joint and open heart procedures. Charge nurses, attempting to meet the productivity target, also struggle to meet the efficiency demands of physicians and respond to OR team members' concerns about safe staffing. Physicians express frustration with delays resulting in staff members feeling rushed. Employees become frustrated when managers ask them to take a day off to facilitate reducing salary expenses and their desired pay is unmet, and employee retention concerns begin to escalate. Recommendations from senior leaders that mid-level leaders educate and review staffing plans and expectations with frontline employees appear futile when mid-level leaders and frontline employees believe productivity targets are not in alignment with daily workloads. Until OR leaders can justify staffing needs based on procedure complexity and workload, including patient acuity and minutes to set up, perform, and tear down the procedure, productivity targets will remain the same. With all these concerns to consider, our perioperative leaders decided to measure workload in the OR and evaluate its requirements to justify changing our staffing model. Measuring Workload in the OR The definition of workload is complex because of its multiple components, an operator using his or her resources to respond to external physical or cognitive demands to perform a task. Examples of two existing methods used to quantify nursing care are nursing classification systems and patient classification systems, PCS.
Nursing classification systems standardize nursing language to describe or systematically report nursing care. Patient classification systems are acuity systems that attempt to categorize patients according to their care needs and then using that information to determine staffing needs. A review of the literature revealed one article describing a scientifically-based PCS specific to the OR. This is the PCS we applied to our project. When determining the workload for an OR procedure, all elements of nursing care, including work occurring before the patient enters the room and after the patient leaves the room, must be considered. With patients at an elevated risk for infection, physical injury, and physiologic or hemodynamic changes, the perioperative nurse's primary role centers on patient safety. However, he or she also spends a good amount of time working on tasks beyond the physical care needs of the patient. This work includes the gathering, setup, and management of multiple types of surgical equipment required for the procedure, and assisting with the opening of numerous trays of surgical instruments and supplies. The nurse helps lift and move patients, positions patients using special devices, cleans and prepares the surgical site, obtains and dispenses medications to the surgical field, attends to the needs of the surgeon, scrub person, and anesthesia professional throughout the procedure, plans for post-operative care needs, and documents all activities that have occurred. For more complex surgeries, emergency blood transfusions, blood salvaging system setup, radiology equipment, and numerous laboratory tests may also be needed and would factor into the nurse's workload. With the exception of AORN's position statements, there has been little published recently regarding OR staffing and acuity. Because perioperative patient care needs require a highly specialized set of knowledge, skills, and training, PCSs developed for other nursing practice specialties are not adequate for the perioperative setting. In 1995, Adele classified patient care into groups based on elements such as equipment and instrumentation complexity, the number of preparation sites or limbs, types of positioning and specialty supplies, and the number of incision sites. However, many changes have occurred since 1995, and adaptations to this PCS are necessary. In 2013, RADA and others validated the core elements of intraoperative nursing practice. For example, patient and family behavioral responses, safety, physiologic responses to surgery, responses to the health system, and linked them to the core domains of perioperative care identified by Peterson and Kleiner. In 2015, Rata and others went further and tested an acuity system specific to the OR using the previously identified core elements of intraoperative nursing practice. Recognizing the cost constraints and time factors of this project, after conversation with facility experts, we decided to complete a human time and motion study using the NASA Task Load Index, TLX. Instead, to determine our hospital's nursing workload for robotic surgery procedures in an efficient and cost-effective manner. First developed 20 years ago for use in aviation, the NASA TLX is a subjective rating instrument, for example, a questionnaire, that can be used to measure nurses' workload in the healthcare setting. Proven to be reliable and valid when applied to nursing, the Kronbach Alpha of the overall workload scale is 0.72, which is higher than the desired value of 0.7. The questionnaire comprises the following six subscales, mental demand, physical demand, temporal demand, frustration, effort, and performance.
Each dimensional subscale ranks from low to high in 21 graduated steps. The combined score of these six subscales has a high likelihood of representing the workload experienced by staff members working in the OR. Methods Operating room leaders at our facility asked the Vice President of Surgical Services to select one OR in which an observational study on nursing effort for robotic surgery could be completed. The site chosen was the OR in which most robotic procedures per robot for the healthcare system were completed. We submitted an overview of the project to the nurse scientist, who reviews all clinical nursing studies, and the Vice President of Chief Regulatory Affairs, who heads the Institutional Review Board Committee personnel to determine the project's need for Institutional Review Board approval. They deemed approval unnecessary because the information obtained would not pose any risk to employees or patients. Developing the Human Time and Motion Tool A time and motion study takes place when an observer records the activity and amount of time required by a participant to perform a task. In time and motion studies, small sample sizes have the potential to yield a large amount of data. In addition to using the TLX, the author also developed a time and motion tool based on information synthesized from our literature review using scientifically identified core work domains and associated elements of interoperative nursing care. We invited a focus group of certified perioperative nurses to review the time and motion tool. It was important that this group understand the relevance and appropriateness of the individual elements included in the study tool and that they agreed upon its ability to measure all subscales. Data Collection We used an observational methodology. For example, one RN who observed to study 25 robotic surgery procedures with other personnel available to assist. For each procedure, a scrub person and an RN circulator were present to assist. To prevent concerns about inter-rater reliability, the same single researcher completed all the observations. The observer had no direct responsibility for patient care or staff budgeting practices used in the selected OR. We captured time study data manually using the time and motion study tool. Additional information used included de-identified patient demographic information obtained from the electronic healthcare records and the OR scheduling system. The RN circulator and scrub person completed the NASA TLX at the end of each observed procedure. Statistical analysis. We analyzed the NASA TLX data using SPSS version 20.0 software. To summarize the data, we used the following descriptive statistical tests. Chi-squared, Chi-squared automatic interaction detector, one sample Komogorov-Smirnov, and Mann-Whitney. We entered data from the time and motion study into an Excel spreadsheet and then created a pivot table that allowed for various manipulations for meaningful understanding of the data. Results. Frequency distribution of scores determine the 80th percentile as indicative of a very high task load. Both RNs and scrub persons scored robotic procedures as having a very high task load. The Komolograv-Smirnov test was negative for normal distribution. Therefore, we completed the Mann-Whitney test to evaluate differences in scores for the RN and scrub person. We noted three areas as driving RN and scrub person perception of higher workload for robotic surgery procedures. Temporal demand. For example, 
the pace at which the work was required to be performed, were personnel stressed? Did they feel rushed to complete work? Effort demand, for example, the combined mental and physical work requirements, and physical demand, for example, the physical requirements to complete the work. In all three categories, the scrub person experienced a higher perceived task load than the RN circulator. The chi-squared automatic interaction detector analysis identified statistically significant interactions among factors with high proportions of task load, especially with temporal task load, which was greater for procedures that followed the first procedures of the day. This finding reinforced team requests for assistance with turnover and setup. Also, procedures that required special lithotomy and lateral patient positioning resulted in a higher task load perception. The Human Time and Motion Study provided a clear breakdown of the work completed by the RN circulator and scrub person and revealed that the RN was spending the greatest time completing tasks at the start of the procedure and during documentation. The scrub person's workload was spread more evenly across the span of preparation and intraoperative and end-of-procedure work. The information we obtained helped to support our idea that non-licensed support personnel could complete some of the work being performed by the RN circulator and scrub person, such as procuring and opening supplies before and during the procedure, and assisting with room teardown or turnover. This would free the RN to focus on patient care needs while providing support to the RN circulator and scrub person. Financial Considerations The minimal staffing requirements for each surgical procedure at our facility included one RN and one scrub person, and the circulator must be an RN. To be compliant with regulatory laws and AORN standards, a first assistant must be someone other than the scrub person. First assistants were required for 100% of the procedures we observed and were either surgeon group partners or independent perioperative nurses who had collaborative working relationships with a primary surgeon. No surgeons in this OR had difficulty acquiring a first assistant, and at present, there are no plans to hire first assistant employees. The Time in Motion study identified key times when an additional non-licensed support person would be desirable to facilitate safe and efficient patient care and workflow. These times included room setup, the start of procedure, patient preparation within scope of practice, RN circulator documentation of care and management of specimens during the procedure, the end of procedure to facilitate patient movement, and room cleanup. To balance the costs associated with providing an additional room support technician during robotic procedures, and because the scrub person is not required to be an RN, it would be most cost-effective for the scrub person to be a certified surgical technologist. Limitations Before our project, one RN and one certified surgical technologist dedicated to robotic procedures worked 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday at our facility, and it is not known whether differences in team members or experience would have affected the results. In addition, we observed procedures during a holiday period, which may have affected the availability of additional staff members in the room. Implications for perioperative leaders the Human Time and Motion Study coupled with the NASA TLX helped provide a better understanding of the workload required for robotic surgery procedures. This same methodology could be used to determine optimal staffing for other surgical procedures, particularly those in which staff members and surgeons 
voice frequent frustration or that carry a high risk of unplanned surgical events. Over time, as we implement safe and effective staffing models for each procedure, we may be able to recalculate the overall productivity target for this OR. Conclusion Operating room leaders have a responsibility to ensure delivery of safe, cost-effective, quality patient care while maintaining team satisfaction with the work environment. This balance is best achieved by using appropriate staffing resources as required for each individual procedure. Continual review of the practice environment and the use of reliable and valid tools, such as the NASA TLX in conjunction with human time and motion studies, can help predict and justify staffing needs. The practice environment and professional complexity of each staff member's role, including direct and indirect care activities, can be used to determine the appropriate staff member mix for all OR procedures.